0: He was paid for it in copies of it, so they just (laughs) produced and gave him like forty copies, and it's like that doesn't. mm.
1: So what you're saying is Edgar Allan Poe got paid in exposure. Yeah, 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 exposure. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs)
2: Ah, yes,
1: the most backhanded of artist currency.
2: Though I will say, paper cost a lot more back then than it does yeah. today. It's not you <laughs> could just go down to Kinko's and pick up Arena printer paper, you know? Like <laughs>
0: That's true. Yeah, I mean, that whole process was an absolute nightmare back then. And so, I mean, was it, you know, a financial investment for them to pay him in that way? Absolutely. But did it put, you know, food on his table? No, because at that point he wasn't well known yet.
2: Exactly. Yeah. What if he takes one book or three books and sells it to one friend and that friend each sells it to two friends, right? He gets another friend, sells them three copies of the book. Oh, God. I'm just We're... saying it's perfect.
0: I don't think that pyramid scheme works so well.
2: <laughs> well, it's more like a, like a triangle scheme. <laughs>
3: Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. Different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description. Hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of KV Theater Podcast. Today's episode is all about spaghetti westerns in anime. So, basically the whole genre of westerns and animes and gluing them together to make this fun time. Now. Before we get started, I want to introduce some of the people who are going to help me out with this one. Over here to my side is going to be... I am Ben, and I'm the L Penguin. Right. And over next to him is going to be our our buddy... What's up? I'm Brandon, uh, also known as Tomato Man. And you know him, you love him, and and he's also over here by my side.
2: Ridiculous. I appreciate you. Hello, my name is Dean Dane. Uh, I go by Dean Dane on the internet.
3: Alright, and once again, as always, I am your host, Leo the Geek Scorpio. Now, before we get started, let's take a quick trip to over to the magical merch booth.
1: Yay! Woo, hooray. I'm on my way. I'm on my way.
2: Woo.
3: Here we are over at the Magical Merch Booth. Now, today, uh, just like what we've been doing for most of November, is we're all showing our stuff for Extra Life. What? Extra Life? If you've gotten to this podcast, you may have unfortunately missed the chance to be part of the TTP RPG. O-E-P-E-L? There's there's other acronyms. Anyway, it's our annual, it's a semi-annual a little, um, tabletop RPG for viewing the audience tour Extra Life. But that doesn't mean that Extra Life is done. November is a big month for them. And I know that uh, Zombie Hand had to push her stuff back. So she's going to be doing within the next couple of weeks. Um, our Scream stream for Extra Life. And Extra Life is a charity that we do support. Or pretty heavily it is about. Um, Dan, you know a bit more about this than I do.
2: Yeah, so it helps support the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. These are a number of hospitals nationwide that all help sick children. Uh, the campaign does go all year round, so if you miss November, you you can still donate if you so choose uh, and have the, the ability and the inclination to do so. Um, it goes until the very end of the year, and all donations will count up to that point, at which point in the new year it will roll over into next year's Extra Life campaign. Mm-hmm.
3: Many of us over here on uh, Gaming Theater do support Extra Life and we all have our own little options for it. And throughout the month of November, we're going to, our any Extra Life uh, Patreon that we're working with, we'll be announcing their, uh, when they're doing their streams and what kind of options that they're doing for their stuff. And it's a good cause to support. So if you feel the need to help donate some of it, you can just donate it there. Links for our Extra Life stuff will be in the description. With that being said, let's get back to the show. Okay, so today's episode is about spaghetti westerns and anime. So, in anime, every so often you'll get a series or an episode or two, or actually whole story arcs based similarly around westerns, more specifically the spaghetti westerns. So, in order to explain what that kind of genre comes up as, we're gonna have to go back in the day for to explain how that how the genres of westerns sort of came about. Westerns are kind of interesting because they're the only genre that is set and created in their own time period. So for example, science fiction, we can all say, uh, uh, say that Mary Shelley from Frankenstein started that back in the 1800s. Hard to say when horror started as the genre, and comedies and tra- and dramas have been around for since the, since at least uh, the ancient Greeks and even beyond before that. However, for Westerns specifically, they had that genre started roughly about in the 1800s in the United States. During the frontier, Western frontier, what would happen in that time frame, which is about roughly around most people say about the 1860s or so. People in the East Coast for in their big cities and such uh, about what's happening in the frontier and the frontier lifestyle for it. Now, what will happen in this time frame is paper. Paper becomes really a lot easier for it to be made and produced. Now the reason why that's important is now that their paper is easy to be produced, you have a lot of more people able to write on the papers because now it's not a, it's not as a detriment. So much so, some people get lost to the shuffle of time with how many writings on there. Famously, Edgar Allan Poe did not make it see a uh, dime, even though he's one of the most prolific poets of uh, the medium.
0: Another fun note about that too is on uh, one of his uh, best works, if I remember right. Um... He was paid for it in copies of it, so they just <laughs> produced and gave him like
1: forty copies, and it's like that doesn't. Mm. So what you're saying is Edgar Allan Poe got paid in exposure. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exposure that's, that's exactly. Ah, yes, the most backhanded of artist currency. <laughs>
2: Though I will say, paper cost a lot more back then than it does yeah. today. It's not you <laughs> could just go down to Kinko's and pick up Arena printer paper, you know? Like
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, that whole process was an absolute nightmare back then. And so, I mean, was it, you know, a financial investment for them to pay him in that way? Absolutely. But did it put, you know, food on his table? No, because at that point he wasn't well known yet.
2: Exactly. Out. What if he takes one book, or three books, and sells it to one friend, and that friend each sells it to two friends, right? He gets another friend, sells them three copies of the book. Oh, God, I'm just we're... saying, it's perfect.
0: I don't think that pyramid scheme works so well.
2: <laughs> well, it's more like, like a triangle scheme.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, it just sounds like the only
3: option to got left...
2: Sorry, did I say scheme? I meant plan, triangle plan. More
3: like a, a series of three angles that are pointed in, in various directions. Yeah,
2: and the money starts at the top and it just kind of trickles down, right? Look, yeah. there's,
3: there's three
0: points here. There's Edgar, his book, and the money. And the only thing he wants out of it is the money.
2: One for each of his names, Edgar, Allen, and Poe. This is true. <laughs> so that
3: being said, though, um, now this is going to be the one of two big revolutions in the writing industry because of resources. This is the first time because of in, uh, the Industrial Revolution starts coming up and you start getting paper being made. The second time will be in the 20s when pulp comes up, and that's the reason why we have what's called pulp novels. Still related to this because they would still continue writing about Westerns and what they, and the frontier experience. Keep in mind, by the time pulp de, uh, pulp novels come out in the 20s, and people forget this part, I think the only one that really touches this is the game Red Dead Redemption. Uh, Redemption one, it takes place in nineteen, early nineteen tens. The Wild West for people in the twenties wasn't even a decade ago. That would be like us talking in the in the two thousand twenties talking about not even the nineties, like just twenty tens. So with that, the westerns as a genre start going through there. But westerns tend to also jump other genres. Famously, um, they even had their own superhero line, Zorro. Um, the uh. Lone Ranger. And with that, westerns start getting a little more saturated on there. They're, they're kind of being, you would read a western because it's kind of black and white, especially in a lot of the writings there. Now, you would get into the 50s and television starts com- becoming big and you have various different western styles out there. Uh, films like Shane, um, uh, movies or TV shows like The Rifleman and uh, Paladin which is apparently, which let me tell you that now I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a nice little sword adventure. Nope. That's a guy with a rifle named Paladin. (laughs) I got that one wrong.
2: I do think it's kind of interesting that, you know, what we think of as the the sort of wild West time is realistically 30 years. You know, I think most historians track it around 1860, 65 in that area until about 1895. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not a lot of time. Yeah. You know, I, when I think about the Wild West era, you know, it's this sprawling, expansive, multi-year. I mean, 30 years is still a good amount of time, don't get me wrong, but mm. it, it always feels like it should be something grander or like, you know, more You know, than but
1: it is. I'm also thinking about that. If you, if you stop and consider just like, if the late 1800s was like the Western time, let us remember that early 1800s was looking like Hamilton. (laughs) That's true. And it's like, man, that was a huge transition. Just like we need to modernize. Yep. We modernize around guns.
2: (laughs) That's America.
0: Like I think part of the whole thing with it is like it's more about how like we forget just how rapidly things did expand at that time. And that's really why it's, you know, such a short period, but yet so much happened. And we seem to forget that, because I always feel like, the, the oh, the the Old West was like a 70-year time frame, but like Dane says, 30 years, that's all it was. Right. But because so much happened so quickly, it was, quote-unquote, a wild time, and I think that's kind of where the term comes from, mm-hmm. potentially. But, I mean, that's, I guess, also just my two cents on the the whole mentality of it.
3: So back on the point for that one though, here's where we go up into cinema. Now Westerns start seeming to be dying off a little bit. You end up getting to producers and such, which are kind of going with the flow. In the fifties, the big things that are coming up is sort of rebellion, you know, like rebel without a clause and teenagers mostly having until the fifties teenagers weren't even considered as a subject. You're a child or you're an adult. And now we have a kind of a, Area where there's teens going in modding cars and having their getting on, you know, old man Griffith's fence and you get off my lawns, that's, that's and really true. um, and just hanging out with with people. And Elvis is starting to become big and rock and roll and such, and so they follow with the trends for it. And that's not anything new. We've seen that in in any kind of cinema and television. So westerns are just seem more passe now. The reason why pulp novels are important. Another big genre in the pulp in the pulp era is uh, noir. Noir doesn't have a black and white hero. Sometimes your hero is barely making it through the day. He's two whiskeys uh, uh, he's two whiskey sours out from being completely passed out, but he's got to deal. He's got to go over there and deal with those thugs. What will I you do... start?
2: Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I just love the way you phrased that, is that. It did not have a black and white era. When I think of noir, I think of it exclusively it black, black and, and white. white. Uh, I, I, that's not what you meant, obviously. Right, 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 right. No. Um, I, I found that a little bit funny. Honestly,
1: that, the wordplay of that was kind of fun.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, uh, but you have a new introduction to the anti-hero. And famously, what starts that, did, uh, where the anti-hero in a Western genre starts revitalizing it, Probably the most famous ones are Sergio Leone, who did several different films on it. The most famous of the Western films in the Western genre, and probably the most famous Western of all time, is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And some people, it's so famous, people forget that that's actually the third part of a trilogy. Um, But then you have all these Westerns, and they got the nickname Spaghetti Westerns because um, they would be produced and made in Italy. And that's cool. where you get the term spaghetti Western form. It's a Western genre film that they made in the highlands of Italy. There's I, I, different I reasons it. for that.
0: I, wasn't it um, cost efficiency was a big part of it, I bet.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. because you would need like a large list of extras and such. And so there were times where the only people uh, where the only American actors on there were whatever main character had to be the Amer- was the American actor. Everyone else was played by Italians. Hmm. And they would have different, uh, and so people Clint Eastwood just ended up going there uh, to film his scenes and such, and took care of it and did that. But all the other extras and all the other you know cowboys on there, all Italian people. Um, but because of the highlands that are that are in Italy, those uh sort of semi-arid, deserty areas like where which is famous for like a lot of westerns stay that uh sta that way for kind of a long time. Um, and sometimes you just hear environmental shifts uh, in things. In the '90s, uh, video game companies started moving to Texas because it was a drier climate, so they didn't have to worry about winter shutting them down for it. Um, plus, uh, like, ID Software moved themselves there uh, back at one point in time, but then other companies started going there. So there was a in the '90s there was a boom of uh, uh, video game developers in Texas. But then you have, uh, so in this case, films are being made in Italy because they like the Western genre, they will produce them, and it was just much more cost-effective for it. So throughout the 60s and 70s, you have these Westerns all made in Italy. Not unheard of. um, In the 80s, you start seeing a bunch of action films being made in Thailand or the Philippines because for the same reason. Um, Corman, I'm trying to remember, but the Corman films famously did almost everything in the Philippines for that. Roger Corman, that's the name of the uh, the producer.
2: Kind of similar how you know Power Rangers films in New Zealand almost exclusively for similar reasons. Mm, right.
3: Farscape is filmed
1: in New Zealand for that as mm. well. And Lord of the Rings is filmed in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I don't know
2: if that's because it was so, cheaper, but for that so one. I, th- I think
1: we ran from spaghetti westerns to kiwi
2: fantasy. Ooh. <laughs> New genre unlocked.
0: I'm not a fan of kiwi fruit, but the birds I like. I'm okay not to eat, they're
3: just cute. But um, so the reason why we bring this up is, if the Good, Bad, the Ugly is the most famous Western out there, probably one of the well, equally just as famous, or but not as famous, you know. The the this is the B plus of the A plus route for this is um the Magnificent Seven. It's good. It gets remade four times. Has at least one TV show that I know of starring Ron Perlman of all people in that. Ooh. It only lasted two seasons, but I actually really, really liked it. Now, how, now this is where we start getting into a weird Japanese influence for it. See, back in the 50s and 60s, a famous uh, director came around called Akira Kurosawa, who has made probably, so, uh, like, you can trace some of the most famous films in, in, in history back to um, Akira uh, uh, Kurosawa's work. Um, the Forbidden Palace, I think, is one. And that's Star Wars is tied to that um another one that they does is uh you can take trace of that yojimbo as the lone wandering samurai there's tons of that and for our purposes of this tale today we have famously the seven samurai
2: now i do want to step in just for a second here and just make sure it's clear that all of these amazing cinema that leo has just mentioned Kurosawa did first, and then we here in the West <laughs> did later. So Star Wars, obviously after Kurosawa, Magnificent Seven, beat for beat, Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh we we love turning movies that other people have made into awesome movies. So
0: Ringo into Ring. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. That
0: one was wickedly fast in its turnaround. If I'm being honest, very <laughs> yeah. quick the Japanese one comes out, and then you get the Americanized one, like, I think a couple years later. It's like... It is not for long. It's like,
1: hold on, guys. Let us, let it simmer. I think it also goes to show that if, if something just really just kicks off that well enough, you're gonna have someone just trying to feed off a little bit on that let's let's get a little bit of that pot. i want to see what's going on there
2: mm. i will admit the ring got me i thought it was a uh, a western creation first uh because I, I hadn't same. i hadn't no, heard about that. ringu and then mm. then i figured it out and i was like oh okay this is this is crazy uh another couple of really good kurosawa films just to kind of bring it back i mean sandra is really good mm-hmm. uh throne of blood is incredible uh these are kind of the highlights all of in my opinion all of yeah. their movies are fantastic but there's so many good kurosawa films
3: oh there's so many of them this is uh if how would i do i would describe kurosawa as being the spielberg of the 50s on at that point spielberg wishes to that.
2: <laughs> spielberg could never
3: Spielberg could never do that. Hot Although take. Dean now...
2: Dane hot take. Here we go.
3: <laughs> Although, to be fair, there's original movies that Steven Spielberg that's made that have been tried. People have been trying to rip off as well for that. Hundred percent.
2: So... I think Stand it... By Me's gotten a couple of remakes, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, Stand By Me has. No want one's to touching a Jurassic Park, but that's just because it's expensive to make,
2: right? Yeah. I don't got animatronics money.
3: Yeah, that's crazy animatronics money. I don't have puppeteering animatronics money. Um
2: Plus uh, the first Jurassic Park. At
1: least not dinosaur size.
2: <laughs> at least, I mean, Jurassic Park is, like, a perfect movie. It still holds up today. It's so good. It really
1: is. Oh,
3: dude, yeah. It's one of my favorites, period. Um, Duel, Jaws, those kind of suspenseful mm-hmm. horror films mm-hmm. type things. How many times have that That's been? But, yeah. So, back to the point. Here yeah. is... Kurosawa. he makes the seven samurai and after people have been watching this they think it's an amazing take there was a bidding war to get the rights to make a US, a US version of that.
2: do you know how much they eventually paid out
3: yeah, I'm trying to remember I, um, I do know it got crazy Yul Brenner, the actor who was famous for uh, it was actually one of the people who ended up getting part of that being part of that bidding war for it <sighs> But yeah, it was a hot take, and once they had it, that's when they decided to turn it into a western. The themes for it have not changed though. Um, you have so the short end of the Magnificent Seven, which is also the short end of Sanford Samurai. A group of farmers and peasants have been just being trashed by local bandits. When they and they need, they're desperate and they need help, so they go out to a. To see if they can find a, to hire any kind of, uh, any kind of uh, just a wanderer or someone that can, like a mercenary, someone that can help them out. And they don't have much. It's pittance. And so a lot of people shun them because they're not going to risk their lives for for this measly money that these peasants have barely put the scrape together. Um, except one person sees the nobility of it. And he, and that person becomes the the, the, sort of de facto leader. And he's like, you know, and it's always something to the extent of, I've never been paid for a a good money for my work. I've never paid an entire uh, village's life savings for my work. I'll, I'll help you. I will do this. And he recruits several other people to, six other people to manage to help him out for one reason or another. And you usually have, this is where archetypes become very important. We'll see this more in, if you want a modern sort of take of the archetypes that you bump into, you'll see that all the times in, in a Super Sentai film, or like or Power Rangers. You have your Red Ranger, which is the leader.
2: Mm-hmm. You
3: have the smart guy, or the planning guy. You have the, um, the heart, the one who's trying to keep everyone together. And you have um, just the big guy, the muscular guy. And in Seven Samurai and such, they have sort of an interesting series of takes for that. In The Magnificent Seven, one of their big experts is always a person who's an expert with knives. Everyone else is using guns. He chooses to use knives, and he's twice as deadly than everybody else. In Seven Samurai, you have the uh, just really aggressive new guy who wants to just prove his worth on it. And you have one like that in in The Magnificent uh, Seven as well. But that take gets kind of weirded out. In the original film, it was the youngest, uh, this young gun who wants to prove himself as as much that he's can hang out with these big boys, and in the remake where it had a, like an all star cast, mm-hmm. they had um, not a new person on there. What they had is someone who's seen as the outside the outsider to their group, which they had Native American be one of the Magnificent Seven for this, and so they changed it out for it.
2: What something I find really interesting uh, in this char- character character this archetype, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Kikucho is the character's name in Seven Samurai. And he passes himself off initially as a samurai. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, it's sort of kind of a reveal. Like you get the feeling that the others kind of already knew, but to the audience, it is this huge reveal that this person, you know, pretending to be a samurai, this rough shod, you know, kind of crazy sort of type of samurai wasn't actually one. And that he had defeated some elderly nobleman and kind of taken their seal to prove that he was an actual samurai Uh, which I just (laughs) find very interesting Like you have this guy who for all intents and purposes is not a samurai but desperately wants to be one and so has literally done anything to put themselves in this position where they can pass themselves off as one.
3: Oh yeah then there's always the old soldier who's seen it all he tried some mm-hmm. tactics, and I don't remember if it's the same in the original Seven Samurai, but the uh, but I know in the Magnificent Seven they start teaching the peasants how to uh, how to protect themselves.
2: hmm Yeah, it's definitely a part,
0: and that and that's that's touched upon in uh, Seven Samurai as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, like Dane was saying, it's the he's presented with the whole the everything that the town has literally. And he's like, you know what? We don't have enough people, but let's see what we can do. And kind of, you know, rallies everybody to put some defenses together. And that's one of the themes that carries over very nicely to um, the Magnificent Seven and all of its variations.
3: Mm-hmm. And with that, um, one of the things that they do, that's always in all the, the reinc- uh, reinterpretations of the story, that the village gets attacked and the Seven get to show how skilled that they are these all seven of these guys have some kind of uh down on their luck back uh weird background but they are ec- almost experts in their field and manage to take out as many soldiers as they can and they still run back to the soldier the other soldiers they're fighting against run back to wherever whoever's hiring, whoever whoever's their uh their um the or whoever's or whoever's their boss is and in the meantime, they take all their weapons and such that 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 were left from everybody else who was defeated, and start handing it out to pe- the peasants so that they can practice and learn how to defend themselves for it. Because even they know, realistically speaking, seven against the army of thousands—yeah, that's a numbers game. You just can't hold up to that.
1: Yeah, and they know, and they know they may not be have the best soldiers, but they can teach some good defense. Yep. It's all about emphasizing the smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. It really is. And really just trying to figure out to work with what you actually got. Because, God, there are so many makeshift things you just had to put always put in together mm-hmm. to even have a chance.
3: Yeah. And so this is a story that has carried itself over. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because now you have a Eastern... Or Japanese story being converted very easily into a Western story, and and that Western who are specifically getting into a spaghetti Western because that was an Italian film. Um, in the original one, uh, ironically enough, um, it was a Mexican village that they had to uh, protect. In the remake, it's a small um mining colony that that uh, that's barely holding itself from the 2016 remake for that. And in the uh, original, it was a small, I think, peasant, uh, just a farming community that's barely struggling by because they're losing tons and tons of money uh, to this. And I think they make it a point that the bandits that are stealing from their and it's almost a, uh, the bandits that are attacking the town aren't even going to use whatever resources are in that town. They're going to sell it elsewhere because they can make even more money uh, elsewhere. So they're not even taking it for their own use, for their own like, in the peasant villages with rice, and they're not even ke- taking the rice, they're selling off the rice to other people.
2: something I find yeah. kind of interesting um if my memory of the history of that time is correct um so Japan for a long time, measured their monetary system in rice in koku is what they mm-hmm. called it um and so I think in seven Samurai, not only are they stealing rice, which is food, which you know allows people to feed themselves and what have you. But it's, I believe, at that time also considered their money. So they're kind of getting a twofer as far as that's concerned, just Mm -hmm. because the money of the time was food. Yeah,
3: it's similar to what Romans would do. We have the word salary, which is based on the Roman word for salt, because they would pay people in salt. And if you know anything about um, uh, old world healing, salt's super important until we get to about, the tw- uh, the 1910s to 20s when we start perfecting cannery and ways of preserving food like mm-hmm. salt's not a problem for us now we can just go get food and it's already got enough salt for our bodies to keep but back then oh no you needed to have as much salt as possible it was an important trade same with rice rice is the only is can be lasting for a couple of years before without any kind of uh spoilage as long as it doesn't get wet
0: Yeah, and no preservations or preservatives needed either. Just it's Mm -hmm. naturally a, like, once it's dried out and all that, you're pretty much good.
3: Yeah. And so, like, they're not only taking their food, they're also taking their money. So they're taking, and they're double dipping on this. So this introduces these themes into the Western genre and Western cinema. Now, the reason why this is important is, first off, one of the things that I, unfortunately, will always praise the Magnificent Seven a little over to Seven Samurai it's only an hour and a half long <laughs> Seven oh. Samurai is a long movie
2: oh I'm sorry that you, that you couldn't <laughs> just wrap up an epic in a quick 30 minutes for you Geek Scorpio now, man I... oh how dare they tell this incredibly thought out nuanced story sorry it was too much for you sir no no no
0: pre-1990 you could find one that was 50 minutes shorter true <laughs> That hey, being said, you're losing a hell of a lot of context. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah, if you it's it is long Frank- though. To, to, it be is... fair,
2: to be fair to you, Geek Scorpio, it is it a is... long movie. I yeah. can recognize that.
3: <laughs> oh, what is it? At some point I want to go back and watch the original Frankenstein movie. Apparently it's not even like an hour long.
2: It feels like forever.
3: It feels like forever, but it's not an hour it's not even an hour long
2: for that. Movie. I really like most of that book slash movie mm-hmm. but man the middle just <laughs> kills me every single time mm. I digress. Just,
1: just the slowest pacing ever is. like i know we're trying to bow the monster are you sure that we can't just paint a wall and watch that i feel like it could <laughs> you know, like give us a little like wow
2: that, honestly that. after the monster is made and before you know the things that happen towards the end don't want to spoil it Super old book and movie for anybody <laughs> out there. Even though we are a spoiler-heavy podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it just drags. Like, oh, you see a little girl. Oh, mm-hmm. now you've murdered her. Whoopsie-doodle. That's too bad. Okay, well, mm-hmm. can we wrap this thing up? Is, nope, there's more. Oh, okay. Yeah, so sure.
0: That's the one with Gene Wilder, right?
2: You, you know what? Even that one, <laughs> even that one has that moment where, like, the monster's created, some random crazy bullshit happens, and yeah, then yeah. they sit, do sit, they do putting on the ritz, and putting on the Thank ritz you. is great. <laughs> <laughs> until that point, that. it's just like, oh my god, who cares? <laughs> I, to be fair, before people come for me, don't even at me or do I don't care. Get in the comments, why not? Um, Mary Shelley's amazing; she does amazing work. Mm-hmm. I love her work, mm-hmm. but holy crap, that middle part just kills me every time. Yeah, I digress.
1: I also thought it was more exciting to learn that, hell, oh, Frankie, Frankenstein monster knows how to speak French. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 right.
3: <laughs> yeah, people forget that part.
2: And I was
1: like, well, bonjour to you too, buddy.
3: So, uh, but that's the the thing with this one is actually kind of like Frankenstein and, uh, and Dracula and various old stories like that. There is no, how do I want to put this? It, there is no, even though this is a genre specific uh, Western sort of genre specifically for the United States because it's Western and anime influences are specifically for Japan. You will start seeing these cross uh, patterns with these stories because the story itself is not one that in is is pigeonholed to being part of this um, of this nation. This entire thing in Canada, you'd still get the same storyline going through.
2: Oh yeah, but Canada Seven A. <laughs>
3: But yeah, you can do it in in different countries and such, and this is where you have this big influence for it. So now Westerns are starting to get moved into anime, and anime is starting to become an influence at least the 70s and 80s and the 90s, and we've talked about that before. So here's where we get into where anime likes to go back and just explore with different genres for it. Um, sometimes you'll have a sports anime, which is about a sports team for it, and they can make an epic of a of a TV uh, show. When most of the time we get one movie and hope for the best. You have these other genres for it. So watching a western jo- as a genre being done as an anime is a trip. At some and even uh, the uh, the reason why we bring up Seven Samurai because this is where your connection between anime and and uh, and westerns come into play is huge and his influence can be seen all over the patterns of anime. So why not do one that's that's uh, also that's about the Seven Samurai? So why not do one based similarly to the to the Magnificent 7 and explore those genres for it? Like there's a Samurai 7 which is a which is based on Seven Samurai set in a neo uh, uh set way in the future. <laughs> it's like a neo future steampunk yeah, Neo Future Steve, that is hard to explain, but I can explain the story of Seven Samurai pretty well. <laughs> and from what I've heard, that thing is an amazing uh, animated.
2: Very good. Almost as good as the original movie.
3: I bought it on Xbox Live Arcade.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: Like wow. a bunch of episodes. I think I have like seven of them that were like 80 Microsoft points each or some BS back when. <laughs>
3: Um, but then you also have sort of the these western themes popping up into anime. My personal favorite of all of them is gotta be Cowboy Bebop. There oh. is watching Cowboy Bebop, if you've watched the Western, you have seen you know where they're going at with these.
2: It's the best. In my opinion, it's the best. I understand. So what I find interesting around this time, there are three that I kind of view uh, that I refer to fondly as the Trinity of spaghetti space westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of them tackles it in a little bit different way, right? You've got Cowboy Bebop, which we've mentioned, which in my opinion is the better of them. Uh, that being said, they're all good, so watch all of them if you're so inclined, if you like the genre. Uh, Trigun, which is just phenomenal, and Hell very, yeah, of its time, very goofy. They've just recently mm-hmm. remade it, I know. But the original Trigun is very 90s, early 1000s, yeah. in a good way. In the um, past- especially where it's like, super silly up front and then halfway through it's like here's the twist like mm-hmm. well now oh, yeah. we're serious <laughs> um if you
3: want us to hear talk about more about Trigun, it was one of our staples when we talked about ceramus syndrome way back when yeah, uh, last season
2: go check out that as well and so other check podcasts out that. Um... that we're on <laughs> on the third being outlaw star yeah. which is very interesting because it does take sort of more of a techno magic sort of stance. No, yeah, there right. is both magic technology and it's a space Western. So like, ah, but the three of these, in my opinion, really set the tone and set the pace for a lot of other shows mm-hmm. uh, in terms of animation, right? Without them, we don't get Grenadier without them. We don't get uh, coyote ragtime show without mm-hmm. them more on these in a moment. Uh, we don't get mm-hmm. gun sword. We don't get, um, oh my God, there's so many, so many, you can desert punk. Uh, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? But all of these, and, in my opinion, can trace their lineage back to these three, like, titans of shows.
3: And These three titans of shows are not just a, we're not saying that it's hyperbole. Cowboy Bebop was, what, a mainstay in Adult Swim in the still 90s? It still, and so, like, and it still is. It's still such a it still is. They still play it. That show is,
0: it's, it's like, too good to leave. They, they, it's it is. I, I'm pretty sure it's like sub 24 episodes and yet it's been running nonstop for over 20 years on an American network. If that tells yeah. you anything,
2: 26 episodes of pure amazingness. And I understand I've got friends who are like, it's mid it's meh. We don't care about it. And they're just wrong. And that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay to be wrong. No, yeah, you can yeah. have opinions. Don't mind.
0: opinions. That's
1: okay.
2: <laughs> if you think Cowboy Bebop is mid, Leave me a comment. We'll chat.
1: It's like we we understand it's okay for any for other people to have bad taste, and we will just uh not
2: hang out with you. I'll hang out with you. We'll just argue.
3: Legitimately, um, my dad wanted me to uh, try to explain anime to him, and he's huge. In, I, I oh knew he was God. huge into westerns, <laughs> and so he's like, "If I was trying to watch one, what should I start?" I go Cowboy Bebop. Hands yeah. down. Yeah, no, nope. And with its Western feel, he could understand the themes kicking in right then and there. And it's, it's just digestible a
2: enough in. by mm-hmm. non-anime. Sorry to interrupt on you, Leo. No, you're uh, right. It's definitely digestible enough by non-anime and non-Japanese you know, interested viewers mm-hmm. um, that you can yeah definitely sit somebody down and go, hey, if you watch nothing else. This is one of the ones you could watch and kind of understand. I think there are some others, especially in recent times, in recent times um, it's that are more approachable. Now. But, I mean, in the 90s and early 1000s, that would be my go-to as well. I think most people understand, like, a noir story. I think most people understand a Western story. And this kind of does both. And then you can kind of throw in sci-fi in there as well, I
0: suppose. Yeah. And cool jazz.
2: Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like cool jazz?
0: Like, I'm not a jazz guy. Don't uh. get me wrong, though. I love three, two, one, less jam. I mean, let's go. Oh yeah! It's
1: like, but take but that hand. opening.
2: Though. Yoko Kano and the seatbelts can do no wrong, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right.
0: that, that's certified platinum on its own, and, oh. that, and it will never break.
2: <laughs> oh so good! I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Tank
1: was just a reminder that even some people who say they don't like jazz like like, like jazz, jazz.
0: <laughs> and that's even. Like- and here's the proof. <laughs> It's even emphasized more so now too. When you look at things like uh, Persona Five, that entire soundtrack is jazz inspired.
3: Oh Oh.
2: yeah, and Persona Five so
0: good and it's amazing. I mean, I I can't gush enough about that soundtrack.
3: (laughs) Now, Trigun itself is a uh, as a Western, just feels more like a Western. It's got Mm -hmm. a desert setting. Mm -hmm. It's got. you legitimately have bandits. Hell, some of these guys' wardrobe is that classic um It's a duster, man. Dusters and so, <laughs> yeah. and
2: it, Yeah, it is definitely less space western though it is still a space western. Yeah, it's still space I will western. argue that. Uh, still a space western but less of a space western than Bebop and Outlaw Star are. Mm-hmm. Uh cuz both of them do the space a little bit more. It's more in the forefront whereas this takes place on a planet in space, and there's some, like, technological weirdness that we don't normally have. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Way more Western. Visually more Western. Mm-hmm.
3: Just a, basically your classic gunman shoot uh, shootout, the expert sh- uh, gunman that's running around.
2: Quick Draw McGraw.
3: Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Outlaw Star, which Outlaw Star um, feels like, um, I want to say, like, a frontier traveling where Mm -hmm. you go from place to place, and you can see this. Now, if you want to know a weird Western sort of association with that, Star Trek, back in the day, was pitched as a Western. As uh, Gene Roddenberry described it to his producers, this is a wagon train in space. Interesting. And that's how you ended up to pitch uh, Star Trek back in the day. So it would be like a wagon train going from place to place, they have a little bit of an adventure, and maybe they move on. Maybe some things come back, maybe some things don't. Who knows? But, yeah, so, like, these are the three pinnacle ones, especially in the 90s, and so, um, that sort of start off that whole anime that's going to be westerns on that.
2: And they're not the first to do either space western or just western western, right? Like, there mm-hmm. are some that do predate these shows, and they and they should be acknowledged, I think. You know, I know, um, what is it, Space Adventure Cobra? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Is like uh, a salary man gets mm-hmm. like goes into a life of adventure in the stars. Like it's just it's very well, silly. And he's
0: wanted and he's like mm-hmm. changed his appearance. Yeah, so he can dodge the those that are after him and their outlaws trying to find and take him for a bounty. I mean, it mm-hmm. is straight up a
3: space western. That is it is one hundred percent. It came
2: out in the eighties.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's not even uh, one that's associated with uh, like. Even as uh, the Western cartoon audience, we have things like Brave Star, which is literally, they have a planet called Space Texas. That's <gasps> the, the name Space Texas.
2: Don't mess with Space Texas. Don't mess with Space Texas. Hey, what about
3: Space
1: Australia?
0: You got
3: <laughs> Jason Ginyu
1: Force. <laughs> the, the Spice skin
2: This keeps going. I'm just going to think of G Gundam, where everything is Neo Tokyo, Neo Excuse Mexico, me, Gundam, Neo whatever. <laughs>
3: Oh, we'll just God. put Neo in front of it. It's it's the sa- it'll it's, it's the same thing.
2: It's new France. It's, it's like new. old France, but we have robots.
0: <laughs> and also everything around it is destroyed and crumbling into gross because mm-hmm. Earth is a battlefield for a giant cosmic well not even cosmic, just a, a giant you know, brawl fest.
2: Mm -hmm. And all this
0: started a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, with the Dark Gundam that got renamed that from the Devil Gundam because Americans can't handle that.
3: Uh, It's the 80s.
2: Yeah. That that one was the 90s, my dude. Still, though.
3: No, yeah. Well, yeah. But think about how Dungeons and Dragons had to change around for all their stuff. Oh, yeah. Of course. Satan, And that can be discussed in another podcast uh, 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 from the previous one that we talked about, about classes in Dungeons and Dragons back in season one. And that's a live broadcast that we did at ESGC.
2: You want to see more of that? Let us know.
3: So we do see other influences on it. One of the, at least on a video game scale, um, we've seen uh, Red Dead Redemption and the Red Dead series. That's straight up a Western. They even have a straight up spaghetti Western. They even have the twanging soundtrack which I wish I could have because I love it. But if I wanted to go with the the classic anime Western, Wild Arms is mm-hmm. that in spade. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So good.
0: Yep. And they have a, uh, the creators are doing a new take on Wild Arms through a double Kickstarter they did a couple years ago, uh, which I kickstarted the hell out of because it also was a, um, the double Kickstarter was also with the uh, Shadow Hearts successor mm-hmm. called oh, Pennyblood. Wow. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get enough of either of those. Um, so, yeah, gimme.
3: <laughs> can, can have some more? I'll, I'll take it. Can please, um, has many's. Can, please has many Please Um So do you guys recall any other um, Grenadier? I haven't seen any of that.
2: One. Oh, Grenadier's Okay, let me, let me paint you a picture here <laughs> of what Grenadier is, because it oh, is boy. of its time and wild. So you've got you got our main character, right? I honestly don't remember her name. Uh but let's just say she's physically gifted but also talented. She's she's uh busty, we'll say. That's a polite way to say that.
0: She got boobums.
2: She do. Mm-hmm. She do. She walks around mm-hmm. packing a six-iron. That's a that's a revolver. Six shots mm-hmm. in it for those of you who don't know. And a floppy hat. And this crazy outfit, and mm-hmm. she reloads this gun, not by you know having a pouch or having a pocket. I mean, I think she does have a pouch actually, but uh, that it's not part of this. She's got a pocket. you know, she doesn't just reload the shells like you would a normal revolver. No, 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 no. that's way too mainstream. That's way too commonplace. She holds bullets in her cleavage, and she rotates rapidly. And they fire out of her cleavage, and she catches them in the gun. And that's how she reloads her gun a lot in that show. This is probably 2005, I want to say. That's insanely
0: close. 2004. Oh, so
2: close. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's it's, it's very Wild West themed. There's cowboy hat, you know, gunslinging characters. And then you have the main character who just reloads her gun with her cleavage.
0: Also, there's a guy with a katana.
2: That's true. That's true. Yeah, she she is followed by like a pseudo samurai type character as well. <laughs> oh.
0: Full circle yeah. here with uh, Sam- Seven Samurai and Magnificent mm-hmm. Seven in that respect.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Tying East and West together, right? You got a cowboy and you got a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but I mean, man. like you know,
3: early two thousands, like nobody's business. <laughs> it's very gun y
2: It's very fun. It's just very silly.
3: It's
0: fancy. Um, yeah,
2: you know, 100%. Doesn't mm-hmm. take itself very seriously. The world is, is about as well built as you could expect, but uh, it's still just a fun little time. It, mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous, though.
3: And it's very much a Western.
2: Yes, it's very much so a Western. A
3: colorful one, but a Western nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Well, Westerns could be just colorful. That's really just sort of, especially when you're in in animated. You have a palette. You can just choose to use that. We don't need dry brown colors the whole time, guys. We don't need Grand Theft Auto 4. Yeah, no,
0: yeah. No. Not Grand Theft Auto 4. Sorry, that that game was just one tone. But mm-hmm. I will say,
2: speaking of gritty brown tones, uh, Desert Punk, another Desert Punk, yeah. animation based out of the Western, uh, kind of persuasion. You've got people wearing, you know, cloaks and ponchos, wielding guns. In a desert, very brown. Uh, for those who may not have seen it, uh, and it's all about people trying to survive in a desert.
0: And the main character wears a
3: gas mask perpetually. Yep, yeah, that's a that that's the punk part of the desert punk, true. (laughs) It changes your look.
0: Oh, because of daft punk, I get it.
2: Uh, Yes, yes, you know, I'm gonna say, obviously, obviously yeah, Yeah. yeah. god. Nope. It's nope. totally serious. You heard it here first, okay. folks. Nope.
0: Okay, yep. I said it. Therefore, it is. Therefore, it's can't Brandon will die on this hill right yeah. now. Feels so there are many hills about I will die on. This is one of them.
2: Go ahead and at Tomato Man.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's T-M-8-O-M-A-N on Twitter, because that's what it's called.
3: Oh, Word. Gun Frontier is what I just learned about the other day. Um, and it's very much a Western samurai story. Oh, um, but it was like short-lived. It only lasted for, I think, one season, and even the manga was. And this is so. This is where the it gets kind of interesting. A lot of these um, genres that we're seeing right now for animes, to, uh, spaghetti western style, spaghetti western style animes, or western style animes, usually were mangas back in the day from the seventies. Hmm. And remade, and that kind of makes sense because that was the the spaghetti western was big back then.
2: Now, okay, this is a stretch, but go go with me on this one. Okay, I know on its base it would not normally be considered, but would we consider Loop on the Third to be close?
0: I would. Ooh, that's a. It
2: doesn't take place in the Wild West. But there's enough uh, of like a mashing of genres in that uh, show. Well, and you've it, got it, the,
0: the eclectic, weird set of characters that don't that shouldn't mesh well, but do, mm-hmm. and that's kind of got that dynamic of the the seven strangers of different classes,
2: yeah. if you
1: will. That's I kind would, of what I, I was thinking. So. But but Lupin the Third always just comes off as just like
3: a like a heist group on
2: most so, occasions. Th- that's fair. It might might be closer to a heist, a heist anime.
3: Um, so um, I'm going to, the, re- the reason why I'm going to shoot this down, and this is the only reason, is because it's legitimately based on Arsene Lupin. Ar- Arsene um, Lupin, yeah. Ar- mm-hmm. Arsene Lupin. Forgive me for our French fans that if I got that name wrong. Um, I, I, ironically, I am also reading the book right now, so.
2: <laughs> really? I can't okay. pronounce it, won't even try. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, no, straight up, the original Gentleman Thief. Sure. Um. Okay. But, and so like that's where that gets different. However, however
2: Goemon so is a samurai. Uh-huh.
3: Goemon is a samurai and Jigen is your is a uh An straight up a protector. gunman. Mm-hmm. And who's who prefers a six shooter to through then more than anything else. So you can see tones. You can see things connecting into the dots for it. Right. Um and I think uh Weirdly enough, if we're counting any kind of like science fiction, would you say Firefly of all cases? Oh, 100% 100%. Of space oh, absolutely!
0: Faster. Are you kidding me? Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. If, that is just yes, yes. The only yes. thing
1: that could make Firefly more Western would be to put in Cleanest Wood. Look, dude, they, they're wearing dusters. Yes. It's a Western.
3: Meh. It's I a stand we- by my I've seen people wear dusters who can't be a Western. Hold on, hold on,
1: how, how? How's this? How's this? Even though these have space travel to all the planets. He still goes city to city by
3: wagon. Yep. I'll
0: also note that there's literally at least one episode in that short run show where they're literally cowboys.
2: Yep.
3: That
0: is so, true. They are literally so it is a space western. It, it, it also, is,
3: and it has a frontier. Western.
2: Scorpio, I've got to disagree with you on Irvine. Irvine himself is cowboy, is western, even if Final Fantasy VIII is not.
0: <laughs> I would just him. That. him alone. Also, he doesn't have to be a good shot, he just has to be able to shoot.
1: Yeah. Uh, now we're we're just ha- like before we started this cast, just talking about what about certain characters. We're just like, no, this person belongs in a western. They're just not in a the western. They just haven't no. gotten there yet. Because we were just talking, we're just talking about like uh, oh, from JoJo uh, Twenty One has a, oh, uh,
3: has a, a whole horse? western theme. Yeah, a whole here. horse. <laughs> a horse. Yeah. Yeah. A horse, but, yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, but I was because I was thinking if it was characters. It's like we can't not just have. Without uh, without having kid from the Gunslingers in I Show 21, that dude is literally a quick-draw expert.
3: That's his thing in football gear.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I'd love that not to mention that when, um, oddly enough, when the team went to America, also, the Western team just happened to be in America too. Oddly enough, Texas, of all places. And I was like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're just here for a football training camp
3: in a ranch? yet right texas on the same
2: space texas i need to know no so, oh, this is, you know, this is no more, this is
3: regular texas not space texas they okay. got a san
2: antonio got we got to clarify that's <laughs> true we we have a number of texas that we
1: got to get through
0: <laughs> This must be more of a commentary then on how the spaghetti western has influenced anime even beyond just as a genre but even just representation in others in which it wouldn't make sense. I mean, cuz mm-hmm. there's a lot of elements too that even with
3: Xenogears kind of applies. Oh, yes, yeah, I can see that in Xenogears um doing that. Um
2: I mean, Tifa Lockhart, while not a cowboy, for the record, does wear a western-inspired outfit when in a flashback when she's younger.
3: Yeah, when she's 16. Does she have a cowboy hat and everything? She straight
2: she up does.
0: has a cowboy hat and a yeah. vest with tassels.
2: It's cow print too.
0: It is legit. Huh.
3: Oh, how have you not seen these things, dude? <laughs> There's a lot of FF7 that I'm just got a gap in my memory for. Okay. Oh uh, man. Oh, Downside. No, quick thing. Yeah, I only got to disc part way through disc one in FF7, and then my game was taken away from me. Okay, so you never got out not of not my middle, parents that just gone, just just gone.
2: I've legitimately bought that game like 30 times. The dude, original Final same. Fantasy Seven. I'm <laughs> pretty sure I've owned almost every version that that game has existed dude seriously it's not I, a smart I mean... choice but it's the choice i've made <laughs> and it's not uh,
3: a, and it's not a wrong choice either That's true. keep that in mind
2: very so true.
3: i mean i've got no room to talk i've bought fallout 2 like 16 like at least four different times Fair. that's all um and then you, zombie has absolutely oh, no room to talk with how mm-hmm. oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um <laughs> I guess the further out we go with members of GTP, the less people that can tell you know about
2: this. Look, we're all really bad with our money, okay? That's what we're getting at here. <laughs> it's like,
1: at, at least we all know what we're obsessed with. So, <laughs> we have it, what they call choices. You know, we're all children you know, with adult money. There's a problem that's here. That's a mood. There's like, that's we help contribute to that fourth of toy buying worldwide.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's very interesting how, you know, like, for... The West, I think we see a lot of crossover between uh, Western animation and video games and, you know, the Eastern themes, so Samurai or Ninja as an example, mm-hmm. uh, whereas we do see kind of the the converse of that in the fact that a lot of anime seems to be interested in Westerns. Yeah. Um. You know, they get... Uh, <laughs> I find this very funny, and this is probably not the correct sequence of events. But they get Samurai Seven, which is a animated version of Magnificent Seven, which is a remake of Seven Samurai. Uh, probably once again not correct. They probably just went to the source, right? Dude,
0: Gazonte, bless you. I
2: know. Or I know. Maybe not.
3: Um, so the thing is with that, they take uh, when you have that sort of genre of it. There's uh, you some people will adjust genres for a remake of something with a different caliber for it. Um,
2: That's fair. I will say seven samurai does hold up. I think in my opinion, a little bit closer to magnificent seven than mm-hmm. it does seven samurai, which kind of makes sense because, uh, samurai, seven magnificent samurai. seven, seven, just, seven, just seven, to make seven, sure seven, samurai, I've got samurai, that seven.
3: right. Yeah. Yeah. So many sevens
2: because they just they just changed the 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 order of the words for the anime <laughs> jackpot um, dude
3: <laughs> but no um sometimes you bump into a weird situation where one version of x subject happens to be the version that you want to go with on the basis that um like for example the song all along the watchtower Everyone, including um everyone who has heard it, see, uh, knows how amazing it is, but most people have heard of the Jimi Hendrix version, mm-hmm. not the original one made by um uh, Bob. No, Bob, wait, um I can't even think of his name. Oh, it's gonna bother me. Um,
2: Bob Newhart, Bob Saget, Bob the Builder, Bob
3: <laughs> Bob the Builder. Um, no, it's uh, but. Anyway, the song "All Along the Watchtower" is performed by Jimi Hendrix. It's uh, the original one is though Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, that's what it was. Oh, so yeah. Bob Dylan makes the original "All Along the Watchtower." Jimi Hendrix makes a remake, but he loves the uh, the remake so much he just stops making. Uh, he doesn't perform it very often when he gets a chance to back in the day because he just wants to hear the because he thinks the Hendrix version is superior or at least easier to listen to or better off on.
0: So there's actually We're a good. modern example of that in the song uh Hurt by Johnny Cash <laughs> well not by Johnny Cash but No no but the moment he did a cover the original artist was like nope that's his now.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah i uh, now you also get that in different jo- genres as well. Um what is it there was uh for the Magnificent 7 most people will go with the Magnificent 7 versus the Seven Right because it's and sadly easier to swallow of a film it's easier to digest it's, for sure it's easier to digest it's all uh because an hour and 30 weak. minutes versus having to uh for a three-hour epic now i think a lot gets lost in that but if you're going to uh to remake one that's the way to do it and who knows how many um oh conan the barbarian just because arnold schwarzenegger pro, uh, played conan once back in the 80s that's what they sort of define as the as uh, uh his uh, strong Austrian accent is just what they have as the the default tone over what of uh, uh, how Conan's supposed to sound.
2: You know what's wild about that? That's mm-hmm. the first Marvel movie. Yeah,
3: it's the first official Marvel movie. Is Conan? Conan was uh, the Barbarian, owned by Marvel. I also, think the first
1: Marvel movie is Howard the Duck. No, oh.
0: no Conan came. No Conan pre
1: it. I
0: don't That's know what way, but it did come first. You know,
3: roundabout way. Yeah, because Marvel owned the rights to do Conan the Barbarian in their comics, and they make the Conan the movie, I believe, eighty two. And night uh is when that gets released. I think and it starts is back with this like eighty five
0: or something like that. Yeah. Uh,
3: okay. Um, and with that, it releases um uh, it starts the big trend of sword and sorcery films in the eighties.
2: I might want to say feature film, right? Because I think there was a Doctor Strange that came out in the late seventies. Um, yeah, yeah, there was. What? One. Yeah, because there's also and then
0: there was a like, Spider-Man, too Captain America Netflix stuff. stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, not yeah. Captain America. No, if there that was, was Captain the America. Yep, he had a motorcycle helmet instead of the cap.
3: Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a different story, uh, subject for a different day. <laughs> um, later, for a new podcast about. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that being said, uh you just see these westerns in um the desert settings or the lone gunman who wants who needs to protect people is not uncommon than abandoned the the big forests areas and or uh, mountainous forest areas and then the lone samurai who has uh, who has to go out and try to protect the town. These themes are not individual for westerns. You just see them in western literature a lot. However, these themes are also national, internationally done. Probably the most famous lone wanderer story is Mad Max, especially uh, Road Warrior. He just ends up in a place, stuff happens, and then he leaves. Road Warrior kind of defined that entire mentality for a film too. Mm-hmm. And I like um, beyond
2: Thunderdome. <laughs> well, we
3: have to get beyond Thunderdome first. What about
2: Waterworld? <laughs> <laughs>
3: You say that for an apocalyptic, post apocalyptic episode. And Look, yes, there a is. I'll, a see, you all, for I'll that. see you all there. <laughs> oh, that being said, the, before we, uh, I don't know if there's anything more we want to touch on this Western subject on that. Honestly, just that it's influence is going to be seen in different places on that. Guncross
0: store. Didn't know what it wanted to be
2: true, <laughs> but it was definitely Western inspired, but
0: it was, it was certainly something. It just didn't know what, <laughs>
2: It's so funny because now that you say gun cross sword out loud, that's probably how it's supposed to be said, mm-hmm. knowing what I know of Japan.
3: Uh-huh. But
2: I've always said gun X sword because I was an anybody child when that game came out. Game, movie, anime. Oh my God, burning toast. I'm dying. It's like all, <laughs> it, it comes in in all the series.
0: Dude, did you oh. just have a brain fart? It's pretty stupid. I did. I I, yeah,
2: 100% I just did. <laughs> but yeah, no, like... Gun Crossword is probably more correct. That makes sense.
0: It's spy Cross Family, but everyone just says Spy Family. Yeah, thought, that's true. I've we, always read a Spy X Family, but I know that's dropped
2: me. it. Yeah, you know, is it Hunter Hunter or is it Hunter Cross Hunter? Or I is think is it's,
0: it... pronounced, it's pronounced Hiatus Cross Hiatus.
2: Oh, <laughs> no. he can't help it. He's sick. Look, well,
0: now it's fair.
2: I thought it was a Hunter Times Hunter. Hunter Times Hunter. is that
1: hunter squared
0: hunter multiplied by hunter
1: yeah so if we take a hunter by the gunslinger power okay
0: so is hunter hunter now hunted i'm lost where are we what time is it
2: i don't know (laughs) no one knows um what else is there There I, I, i feel like we're missing some um oh oh one that i just thought of um i Do not speak Spanish, and I'm going to apologize up the front of this. Um, So (laughs) I I took Spanish in in junior high school, so, you know, I'm doing pretty all right. But uh, El Cazador de la Bruja is a Western with, like, supernatural elements.
3: I think you actually got his name uh, correct. I was going to say the
0: pronunciation sounded pretty good because I took French in high school, and they have a lot of similarities in their... um... That link. I'll
2: admit, I, I studied Japanese, and I'm white. Okay, give me a break here on the Spanish.
0: Look, I do the best I can.
2: Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> well, I man, isn't that why you keep me and Leo around?
3: Yeah, I mean, one oh, L- I mean, over here has L in his name.
2: I don't think that's why we keep you around, but thank you for being here. It's like we 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 help
1: cover the genres together, all together. <laughs> like, you know what? Uh, oddly enough, I was going. <laughs> So, I was sent a, a, a TikTok on how America represents Mexicans. Oh, no. Versus how Japan represents Mexicans. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Japan Westerns, there's there's a good chance if they're going to have a Mexican character, that's when they introduce them. And I mm-hmm. mean, like, with the whole Tim temperature like, Sombrero, Poncho, But they will even, like, I, I need to check out the new Digimon series because I'll... Because apparently, uh, uh, Mimi, Mimi's Digimon, I forget what the name was. Palmon. Pa- Palmon. Mm-hmm. Is it Palmon? Yeah,
3: I just yeah. remember it being uh, a giant cactus. I, I, okay. I have no, a weird a,
1: apparently, there was some change that I didn't know happened recently in the remake, but now their cactus is Poncho Mon. That has, that does have a poncho, razor sharp teeth, and it boxes like a motherfucker now.
0: There's so, there's there's a lot of Digimon that are being introduced in the remake that were not privy in the original. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, everybody gets a Mega Form, not just uh, Ty and Matt. So, oh my and God, then, right? And they're all in the show like that too. Like, so yeah, like you get to see Woman go to a Mega Form, which is just basically um, Falkor with yeah. horns. Never oh my God, and, and it's dope.
2: <laughs> It's it's pretty dope. It's not going to lie. It is pretty dope.
0: Oh, and Omnimon, or Omegamon in the Japanese version, uh, appears in the show instead of just in the movie and specials. God, he's the
2: best Digimon. I, I love but... Omnimon, dude. Don't even he's get my, me going on that. He's my favorite. He's yeah, absolutely my favorite. No,
1: e- e- even after all these years, no matter what list you find, it will always admit that number one Digimon, Omnimon's number one.
2: Like, yeah. Rururumon's up there for me as well, but, like, it just how do you hold a candle to Omnimon, man? You just can't. Yeah. I'd, see us on our Digimon podcast coming in yeah, 2024. Yeah, I it's, guess it's we'll we'll we have need to get
0: that on that, too, because um, there w- Look, they had a whole set about Omnimon, and they had, like, eight different Omnimon cards in that playset, and I'm like, I'm buying a yep. whole box. So I <laughs> legitimately
2: did the same thing. I have an Omnimon deck for that game. <laughs> Oh, we're um, all nerds. That's awesome. Yeah, we are. Yeah, but don't
0: are.
3: don't feel bad about getting your Spanish wrong. There was a uh telenovela I got to watch called Aguilera Rojo. or no, Roja. Aguilera Roja, which it translates to Red Eagle, which I saw like a two episodes of it on Hulu. However, uh the best way I can describe it is 17th century Spanish Batman. Wait,
1: are you talking about Are you talking about El Águila Rojo?
3: El Águila Rojo. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that when I was sitting here am I just Yep, yep, I'm watching Spanish Batman. Like it's, it takes place in Spain, but he learns about ninjas. Like oh, like, so no, that, that, like
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was that was full on Spain wanted their own Batman. Yeah. Fair is enough. It, is it Batman? They wanted their own want Batman and their own Zoro so and they glued you know, it together. You know, you know what's something I remember that was funny about that mm-hmm. is that it also came out around the same time as the Assassin's Creed movie. <laughs> which he was also called La Agaral, and was also placed in Spain. <laughs> oh uh, boy!
3: That's like, damn! It's like,
1: that's damn, it's like you. It's like you guys couldn't even go to another country. You just.
3: just... <sighs> anyway, before we get into a into a weird uh, linguistics podcast, which join us next time on next our time. language oh. podcast. <laughs> it's but like next the, time yeah. when
1: we talk about los japoneses de Mexico. It's like the Japanese Mexicans. Yes, the real connections.
3: So with that being said, yep, I think the themes are pretty internationally known. Um, unless anybody has anything else, I think this is a good place to wrap it up.
2: If you don't cut me off, I will talk about Bebop, Trigun, and Outlaw Star forever. Nice, right. I will do oh, this with all way. of
0: us here; it'll never end. Yeah, I, I Bebop is my jam.
1: Dude,
0: Trigon
2: shows <laughs> yeah so much,
1: and then he'll keep shaming our audience into watching the Seven Samurai.
2: Yeah, (laughs) please. I will. I will. Absolutely. Magnificent Seven is great. Watch that first if you want to. But please get yourself some culture. Sit down and watch the original. Yeah, I know it's long. Guess what? If you've rented it or if you have the DVD, you can pause that shit. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to watch it all in one go. I think there's an intermission maybe even in some versions of the film. um, Yes.
3: Do people just not paste their stuff anymore? I'm no. just well, saying. If you want one that's really hard pacing to get to, watch at some point. It's a comedy, and it's the longest comedy I've ever seen. It's a mad, 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 mad world. There's no God it takes on too damn long. It. There's no way you can keep that kind of comedy pacing going around.
2: True. Um,
0: so, regarding Seven Samurai, the Criterion Collection has released a Blu ray edition of this movie, 100% uncut, and includes documentaries on Kurosawa. Uh, pardon me, Kurosawa, and it is twenty four ninety nine. Well,
3: I know what I want.
2: Yeah, black, <laughs> black. If you're in the states, Black Friday's coming. Yeah, I dude. bet it'll go on sale. That I'm is the sale. It it's normally
3: fifty day. bucks. Oh, I'm perfect. Adding, then I'm
0: adding yeah. this
1: to my wish list right now. Actually,
0: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. done.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but um, like, I wonder if there should be like a gaming theaters pr- uh, presents live stream of the Seven Samurai. I would. Ooh,
0: I'd I don't be want. There. I don't want Criterion to come after me. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we got ways uh, we can do it. We, we got ways. I've watched movies on Twitch before and not with them showing on screen for the record. For, <laughs> okay, for, so yes, I know exactly what that is. Like, yes, <laughs> you're gonna can,
1: you can have the, the watch along. It's like, come join us, have finally
2: get Dane's approval. Well, we, yeah, yeah, I'm very disappointed in all of you. I mean,
3: to be fair, if you're wondering how much I love this ever samurai, I even though I don't own the movie, I do own. The Diablo clone knockoff of Seven Samurai. It is a legit <laughs> it's called Oh, it's something of darkness, but it is it is super interesting and weird, but it is Diablo set with the Seven Samurai.
0: You have me oh, very intrigued.
3: In the meantime, our next episode will be available on December first. And at that point in time, um I think we're gonna go off and finally get around to finishing off the last step chapter of the DC uh, EA influence.
2: Oh yeah.
3: There's a bunch oh, of episodes that we've been meaning to get back to and I yeah. think we're going to do that for some of December. That being said, um, thanks everybody for doing our, our in, and this is Gaming Theater Podcast. Logging out. Bye
2: everybody! Go watch Cowboy Bebop and Seven Samurai. Bye! Uh,
3: Gaming Theatre Podcast
2: is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam
3: Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some money to help with these episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash gamingtheaterpresents. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever
2: you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.